You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurignited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and just bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your digital business. This is your host, Derek Gale, and uh, I'm really excited about today's guest because you know he's what I would consider to be... Be one of the, I guess, founding fathers, if you will, of, of of internet marketing, of online business. He's been around since the very early days of online business, and his list of accomplishments as a digital entrepreneur is it's really a mile long. He's uh, he's the author of uh, several best selling marketing books and tools, including you know Maverick Startup, Instant Sales Letters, uh, Thirty Four Rules for Maverick Entrepreneurs, and most recently Evolved Enterprise. And for almost a decade, he ran one of the most popular conferences for digital entrepreneurs called the Underground Online Seminar. He's the founder of Maverick One Thousand, uh, a huge network of. Gl- uh, did, uh, online entrepreneurs. But uh, beyond all of uh, his accomplishments, I can tell you, I, you know, I, I've gotten to personally know him over the years, and I can say he's an incredible strategic thinker, uh, a visionary, and, and just genuinely a really good person. And his most recent book, Adventure, is really working on educating entrepreneurs on how to position uh, your organizations to to not only do better but be better and positioning yourself for what the future of business is going to be. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Yannick Silver to the show today. Yannick, thanks for being here. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Awesome. Now, before we get started... can you just take a second and expand on my introduction? And, and you know, it's funny because I'm going to ask you, hey, you know, give us your journey and your path. But I mean, what year did you get started online? Uh, well, not not quite as early as you know, a mutual friend and, and mentor of ours, which is you know, Corey Rudel, uh, who who he, he got started, I think, in '93 or '94 or something like that. And yeah, and I came in in 2000, and I was like, well, you know, there's other people like Jonathan Mizell and Declan Dunn and Marlon Sanders and guys that. You know, you and I are friends with, and, and uh, I looked up to them, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of late to this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were a little bit late, but you you established yourself fast, and uh, and uh, you know, it's funny. I, I actually had uh, Jonathan on the show here just recently, and I had Marlon on the show as well. And uh, nice. yeah, I, I think Jonathan was um, he's like 1992. Yeah, he's yeah. Him and him and Corey were there, like you know, neck and neck, and right yeah, at time, and that's how they really bonded. And it's, it's pretty funny. And I remember Jonathan's events in, in Boulder, <laughs> good old Boulder, Colorado. Just, yeah, it's just such good good events. But yeah, so I got started in two thousand, and before that, kind of my history is uh, my 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 parents came over with me and my grandmother from Russia when I was about three years old, and my dad not much used to the English language and two hundred fifty six dollars in his pocket, kind of a good immigrant success story, and. He ended up starting a business, medical equipment, sales and service, and he basically got fired from, from his job working at the hospital, or, or he quit. Uh, he was going to get fired because he was moonlighting on the side. <laughs> and so he had that choice, and he did you know, the tough thing that all of us entrepreneurs do, and just kind of walk out there without the net, and, and I give him a lot of credit for that. And 
growing up in a family business, I did pretty much whatever, whatever was asked of me. And at 14 years old, I was telemarketing for latex gloves and 16. The deal was I got my own car, but only if I cold called on doctors. So it gave me a really early glimpse into marketing and sales and I realized pretty quickly that cold calling sucked. <laughs> you know, I think you'd agree. And oh, yeah. Doctor of mine, the client that I outfit his entire surgery center, he gave me a Jay Abraham tape and that kind of turned on the lights for me. And I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And so I just started learning everything I could about copywriting and direct response marketing and and you know, really helped expand my dad's business from a very small regional player to a national player because of the ads that we were running and you know, my dad wouldn't think any of those things would work, but so I got a lot of copywriting and, and marketing experience. And then in 2000, I kind of looked at the internet, actually it's late 99. I didn't have an email address even. And I'm like, yeah, this is pretty interesting. You know, uh, before that, I thought people were just making money selling either how to get rich quick kind of schemes or they're selling porn. And I'm like, ah, I don't, you know, really want to be associated with either one. But it just, at that point, the internet really started to look like more of a commercial enterprise. And I remember waking up at three o'clock in the morning with this idea for instant sales letters and, and literally jumped out of bed, registered the domain, got to work on it. And uh, three months later, I was on track to do six figures. And, and people were like, wow, how'd you do that? And maybe you can teach me how to do that. And, and then from instant sales, I'm trying to fill in the blanks there. And from instant sales letters, is that where you stepped to underground or online seminar? No, I mean, this is a bit of a progression. So the next uh, stuff was, um, so instant sales letters took off and then people, you know, started asking me how to do that, which I started teaching and working with people to take their content or expertise and help them. And, and I put out a couple viral eBooks that were, were pretty good. And, uh, and then, uh, I think the first, let's see. So I got, I got a speaking gig and opportunity the guy that was building our websites, uh, this guy Ken McCarthy, he he had a, a an event he was putting on. He asked me to speak. I was like freaking petrified, <laughs> and and this was in two thousand one, and so I was super petrified. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'll just teach exactly what I'm doing, and and I'm like, well, maybe I should sell something, and and I put out a little order form for something called Instant Internet Profits, which is just kind of a blueprint of what I had done, and I think I sold like. $13,000 or maybe even less. I feel it was like maybe $5,000 worth of that. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's enough to make me go motivate me to go make this thing. And then so that kind of started off this, this sort of other career. And then the underground came about in 2003, I think, or 2004, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that was this whole idea of like, there's a bunch of internet seminars going on and a bunch of them have the exact same speakers. And they're all talking about how they're making so much money online, but they're really making money from how they're how they're selling how to make money online stuff and and my friends and i were like yeah it's kind of weird and warped and and so you know one, one of my buddies dave d he's like you know a lot of people once you get some random people and have them come share what they're doing and and that's i think one of the big business lessons if you know if you're taking notes or thinking about this is to go the opposite direction mm -hmm. and so the underground is definitely the opposite direction and 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 then we even included like a cool spy theme and you know as you know you were you're a part of it for for a bit there and we we really ramp up the the experience factor. So not only to you know the content was different because they're real world people sharing what they were actually doing. So that's why we used the spy theme. And then we actually used the spy theme and like you know we did the James Bond and the we've done Austin Powers and all sorts of spy related stuff and made it fun and a true experience for for people. Yeah, and I I still think, I think it was the the not only the most information packed, but the funnest event and, and no other event even today exists like that. So are you ever going to bring it back? 
Maybe we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll see. All right. And then uh, you know, we we are doing you know what I think is kind of the evolution of events, and we just started this Camp Maverick, right? like a summer camp for entrepreneurs, and that was really that was really fun with this idea of uh, of really you know unique keynote speakers, but they're dressing everyone in like shorts and t-shirts, and then and then so they're the camp counselors, and then we go off and and go do fun stuff like uh, like uh, slip and slide uh, kickball or or um, I don't know, all sorts of crazy stuff like silent disco. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a lot, a lot of fun to get to be a kid again. And so I'm, I'm into those, those things. And, and that's kind of where the story, I guess, diverged is about eight years ago. Um, I kind of looked at my life and, and I'm like, I'm not really happy. And, and it's kind of weird because outside looking in, everything was great, making a lot of money online, had a great family, uh, great reputation online, which isn't the easiest to uphold as, you know, as you know, in that, in that space. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something that I was really proud of. And, but I just wasn't totally fulfilled. And I'm like, okay, well, there's, there's something else going on. I did a lot of journaling and I still do. Uh, and I came up with this idea of these three sort of pillars and, and the ideas for like shorthand to be a dollar sign, happy face and a heart. And that was kind of the, the original idea and spent some more time figuring this thing out. And it was called Maverick Business Adventures was his first idea of, you know, I'm going to put together cool entrepreneurs. We're going to go off and do crazy trips and we're going to talk about business in the middle of nowhere. And then we're going to make maybe some, some sort of charity component. And so, uh, you know, I'm a big fan, you know, once again, if you're taking notes, I'm a big fan of like putting the, putting the, the, the deadline stake in there, like putting the stake in the ground and then figuring it out. So saying yes, and then, and then figuring out how the hell you're going to do it. And so just like going back to when I sold those first courses on instant internet profits, it's like, you know, we sold it first and then figured out how to do it. Well, this, this was a whole different animal. This is like a travel business. And, and so January, 2008 was when I put the, the deadline out that we're going to do this Baja dune buggy trip. And, and actually, you know, it's funny. It actually came about from Corey and I, um, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking about it a little bit more because maybe about a year before that, Corey had invited me to go Baja dune buggy racing with him. Did you ever get a chance to do that with him? Nah, I never had the chance, but I saw that, you know, I, he loved it. And I saw the picture. I remember the pictures from you guys doing that. Yeah, it was so freaking cool. And, and he's, you know, obviously a huge, uh, huge race guy. And, and he, he's like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And, <laughs> and he's like, you got to come. And so we did it. And, and this actually was the genesis for, for Maverick Business Adventures because there we had met this NASDAQ CEO of a NASDAQ listed company and a couple other CEOs. And it was just a great kind of relationship and bonding spot and, and, and on top of an amazing adventure. So I knew I wanted to do that again. And, and, you know, Corey and I talked about like flying MIG jets and all this stuff together. And, and so that was sort of the genesis of it. And, and so we did this event and I had no idea how I was going to put it on. And then we got Jesse James, the motorcycle uh, mogul guy to come out and, and, and be the celebrity star. And, and so looking at, Looking at the PL afterwards, we were down like maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars from that event. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a little bit of an investment. That's fine. And then about four hundred thousand dollars in, uh, my wife Missy's like, What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm I don't know, actually. <laughs> like I know there was something there and I couldn't quite put my 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 finger on it and figure it out. And that's, you know, another lesson I think is that that passion. Like, so we to me, I, I went straight into my passion and, and passion can be a double-edged sword. Where if there's not a real solid business model or, or a real smart kind of, you know, or uh, I don't know, a dollar amount, like mm-hmm. like in 34 Rules for Maverick Entrepreneurs, I talk about bootstrapping because it 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 increases your creativity by not having money. But I had 
kind of an open checkbook. And I'm like, oh, we'll do this and we'll do this. And, you know, we hired people that we didn't necessarily need at that moment or we uh, just a lot of stuff that we didn't necessarily need to do without the business model proving itself. And it forced me, I'm actually really happy that it, that it happened that way because it really forced me to go back and look at, okay, what's, what do I really want? Is my why big enough? And when we get into evolved enterprise, like the, the model starts with, starts with you, that evolution of you, but then it expands out into, into cause, which is really your why. And your, your why really drives everything. And, and if you were going to ask me, you know, Derek, if you're going to ask like, about, you know, is your, did you really want to build this adventure travel company? And that wouldn't be a big enough why to go back and really retrench. Like it'd be easy to go back into the internet space and just continue doing what I was doing. But, but there was something that kept pushing me along to try and do it differently. And, and so that's where this whole ecoverse started being built and this entire idea of these interconnected companies that serve entrepreneurs and with the big mission of changing the way business is played and not just adventures and not just unique experiences. And I also at that moment kind of went back and, and revamped what, what Maverick was. And we, we called it Maverick 1000 with this idea of a thousand entrepreneurs that could change the world in some way. And it just really forced me to retool everything that we're doing and, 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 you know, get, get a lot smarter. And it also like during this time is probably one of the toughest times as an entrepreneur, we're so tightly connected to our, our self-worth being attached to our net worth. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're so attached to what we do is, is who we are. And, and so it really forced me to look at all these things like, uh, and, and really step deep into who I was and, and, you know, who, who I really wanted to be and, and to do a lot of work on myself. And, and it forced me to, to do, um, you know, some of that evolved enterprise vision. It's, it's like, it's really, you really got to go deep with, with yourself. Like, so I look at an evolved enterprise as, as a, tr like a business that comes from your heart that you really, that you were almost designed to do and, and go create, uh, with, with the deep meaning behind it. And then it gets everyone into alignment. So it gets, uh, your team, around something bigger, it gets, uh, your customers wanting to buy from you and, and it gets, uh, your, your product or service has this impact built into it. And so I, I was forced to, and unknowingly, I was forced to actually build up all these little pieces of it, you know, starting with a, a vision and, and a mission of what we were doing and, and working on the culture. And I'm, you know, so kind of blessed to, to have people like, like Tony Shea in my, my life from Zappos and guys like a uh, former CEO of Harley Davidson, Rich Tierling, who would all, you know, all they talk about is people and the culture and all these pieces. So I was like learning all these, all these little bits and pieces and, and really reworked what we we're doing. Uh, until now we're, we're very solidly in the black and, and things are, you know, turning, turning out, out a whole lot better. And so let's, let's, let's continue this and, and dig into evolved business then. So, or sorry, evolved enterprise. I keep saying evolved business, evolved enterprise. Now, if you had to summarize like the premise of the book, the message of the book, let's start there. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is the, what is this book delivering? So it's really a new, it's almost like there's a coming shift in business. And, and I see in the, my prediction is in the next four to seven years, if you don't have a core authentic impact in what you're doing, that you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. And, and there's an interesting, so the, the main idea of this book is to move from being simply transactional, which is your commodity or, you know, people are basing what they buy on, on price. There's no, there's no, there's nothing there really to have you switch from one to another. There's no, there's no 
reason, there's no loyalty, there's no whatever, um, to, to more of a transformational business where, where the actual identity of the, the team, the identity of the customer, uh, the identity of really anyone that the business touches in some way is, is changed. From, so from transactional to transformational to even transcending what business can be so that it truly can become something even more than, than what a business is typically looked at. And, and transcending, and I'll give you guys, you know, I'll give you a couple examples when we start digging into some of the impact models. But transcending is really exciting where it's literally like a win, 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 win across the board and it becomes an actual competitive advantage uh, doing things that wouldn't necessarily look like one. So there's a lot of new research coming out about consumers being willing to to actually spend more uh, for for products or services that deliver uh, an impact and and to make to, that make a difference in some way. There's a lot of research coming out about especially around millennials who are willing to work for even less if the company that they're working for is making an impact or has a greater mission. Hmm. So there's there's a lot of interesting things. It's almost like this is going on from the inside out and the outside in as well, like the, the consumer buying criteria. And there's data from many years now, like ten plus years, a book called Firms of Endearment that looked at companies that were publicly traded uh, or bigger companies like Container Store and Starbucks and Whole Foods, uh, Southwest Airlines, companies that that have a really deep culture. And, and who do things that on the surface might look at like tremendous expenses for their people or tremendous expenses for how they do business. And then they compared them against the S&P 500. And in you know, a year, two year, three year, there wasn't a massive difference. You get to 10 years and there's a thousand plus percent return on investment difference, which is you know, pretty tremendous. Uh, where you look at something that might be construed as, as just a, as just an expense, but really it drives bottom line. And that's one of the big premises too, is like you can actually put out your most meaningful work that has a tremendous difference in the world. And it's not just, Oh, we're doing it because it feels good or it's, you know, the right thing to do, or my heart tells me to do this, but it actually drives bottom line. Mm -hmm. And, and so where I get super excited is like when we start adding our marketing knowledge to it and, and it becomes a true like marketing multiplier when we create these great stories uh, of, of some of the ways that these companies are making an impact like it just increases everything that you do tremendously and it, it's it's really exciting that way so uh, let's dive into this then because in your book you share you know i think you share 11 impact models and uh you know obviously we're not gonna have time to go through all of them today but i want to give people some real actionable things or ideas that they can take away of of what it takes or what you can do to go from transactional to transformational to to transcending so and it would be great you said you give some examples of companies so people can apply that so so let's dig in and yeah. uh, and share some of those impact models okay so one of the ones that most people might relate to well or maybe one of the most well-known ones and we'll, we won't spend too much time out of it is is, uh, is tom's which is buy one, give one model. And, and they, you know, buy a pair of shoes and they give a, a pair of shoes to a kid in need. And I had the, you know, unique opportunity to, to interview Blake Mykoski, the founder of, of Tom's. And, and what I love about what Tom's does is, is they have, so what I talk about in involved enterprises that you can have an impact scoreboard. So, and it's a byproduct of your profitability. So what Blake likes to talk about is that at that moment, they had given away 35 million pairs of shoes. And that's pretty, that's pretty wow. incredible. And, and so now, you know, that's a great number. And then, but we know from 35 million pairs of shoes, they also have to profitably sell 35 million pairs of shoes. Yeah. And, um, 
so they've expanded that model out, you know, now to coffee and, and sunglasses and other stuff. And it's been really interesting to see their trajectory and how big they've grown. They're, they're actually a three hundred plus million dollar company, and not many people know that. And so they're and are they are they because I'm in Canada and I, I don't think I've heard of Tom's. Are they outside of the U.S. right now? Or are they they're in, in the U.S. Uh, yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty pretty sizable. I mean, they have a big footprint here in the U.S. Obviously, but. Uh, well, it seems like they have a ways to go then if they haven't. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, it, 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 while you're writing this, I'm like, I got to buy shoes from these guys because, well, I mean, what? So it, that's the interesting thing, right? So, you know, looking on our spectrum of transactional, transformational, transcending. So Blake even, you, you know, talked to me about this. He's like the, the identity of the customer changes. It transforms them into someone who, who's making a difference just through their purchase. Yeah. And, what they're what they're buying, and so that's that's kind of a simple one. And a lot of people start thinking about this. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's just giving back. And and you know, you and I are both trained copywriters, and words are so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Giving back is you know implies guilt to me. It implies that we've taken something. And, and entrepreneurs, like the only thing that we've ever done is actually create value. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way we're in business. So so I I, I really you know I, I don't like the idea of, of giving back. I like the idea of creating impact or making a difference or whatever it is, but all this actually drives business. Like people, like they want to get behind Tom's mission and what they're doing and the customers get excited by it because of what they're doing to make that difference. So another model, uh, is, is a direct impact where, where one purchase equals a a direct impact in some way. And, and then, so, you know, let's start, let's start putting on our, our marketing heads here, our hats. And so there's a company called sevenly.org, which has a nice hook to it. Uh, so it's like the number seven, so seven Lee. Mm-hmm. And they used to, they started off as a, as kind of this interesting, like limited edition t-shirt for one week and they'd sell the t-shirt and that was it. And it, and $7 from that t-shirt would go to a particular charity. There were seven like big kind of buckets or categories that would, that would work with. And I don't have the current stats, but when I did the quick, uh, research on this recently, it's probably more by now, but they only started in 2011, and I think it was like in 2015 they were at three three plus million dollars just donated from from that aspect. And so, a a lot, but b a really interesting thing is I had the the founder, one of the co-founders, come talk to Maverick members and and guys named Dale Partridge, and and he talked about that 80 or 85 percent of their new customers came from social shares. Wow! So you can you can really appreciate that. So think about the cost of acquisition there. Zero, right? So now you know we were able to we're able to get new customers for zero. The, the the viral aspect of this, so totally transforming someone's identity because they're making a difference by buying a T-shirt, and it's it's pretty pretty exciting to see. Um, another interesting model is called uh, Source Matters model number six, and where you're looking at the actual source of the material and and or how things go from. On a, you know, from pre-production to production and what happens all the way through. And and one example I talk about in here is an, a UK company called Elvis and Cress. And is, there are two designers that are walking down the street and saw a bunch of fire hose on, on the street that was laid out, ready to go to the uh, to the landfill, essentially. And these two designers looked at it and, you know, they're like, wow, this is beautiful material and it's going to be stuck in the landfill. I don't, you know, maybe we should do something with it. And they turned them into these, um, these like belts and they turned them into... Um, uh, dop kits or shower kits. They turn them into, into keychains, all sorts of stuff with a fire hose. And what was really cool about it is they integrated 
the cause and the impact straight into it. So not only are they, you know, saving material from landfill, but B, they, they donate, I think it's 50% of their profits to firemen charities. So there's real nice, authentic tie-in all around. And so the more, I, you know, the more I think that there's a real authentic integral tie-in, I think the story gets even better. And I think the marketing hooks get even better. So here's, here's another one for you where you can start thinking about the marketing hooks that are pretty exciting. I, I call this uh, model number eight, empowered employment. And the company, one of the ones that I, I showcase is called the Giving Keys. And it started off with this uh, like folk singer, rock singer, and, and she found the, a cool key from a New York City, either apartment or something like that. And she had it engraved with a message for herself. And I, I don't remember the original message. It might have been love or, or hope or something like that. And people thought it was pretty cool. And so she started kind of messing around and selling them a little bit and didn't know what she was going to do with them. And then she met, she, she saw this couple out on, I think it was Sunset Strip, somewhere in LA, who were homeless with a big sign up. And, and she actually took them in, brought them to a diner, had dinner with them. And, and the guy was a jewelry maker, or formerly was a jewelry maker. And she showed him this key and she's like, can you make this thing? And she's, he's like, yeah, it's easy. And, and so then that's how the giving key started. And so now they employ people that are, that are transitioning from homelessness to create these keys that will say hope or love or faith or different messages that are inspiring like that. Mm -hmm. And the idea is if you meet somebody else who needs that message more than you, you're supposed to hand them that, the giving key. And it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so then they, they ask you to, to spread that message on, you know, on the blog or share that message on the blog. And, and so the fact that they have this really amazing story and, and that they're working with people in homelessness uh, is, is enough to get them into like super high end boutiques, like in Beverly Hills, like Fred Siegel, which is a really high end retailer. Uh, they, they were able to, to get into spots that, that really most people aren't, aren't that, it's not that easy to get into. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, just another way that, that you're able to, to increase your, your, your marketing reach and, and your distribution by having a great story. Uh, other one that I really like is, same same model empowered employment is a company called Ultra Testing, and you and I were just talking about this actually uh, before we, we we did the interview. But autism is you know affects a lot of people now, mm -hmm. and and so the, this company they'll do uh, they'll do cross browser platform testing and and kind of QA and QC kind of testing, and and they hire people on the autism spectrum scale because typically people with autism are on that scale are okay with more repetitive tasks. They, uh, they have more focus and attention to detail and pattern recognition and so forth. And so it actually becomes a competitive advantage here. And to me, that's like total transcending. Like that's so exciting to see. Yeah. So that's, that's a couple of them. I can go through a couple more if you want. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. And I, I'm just taking notes here and I, I just want to pause for a second and, and let's bring this back to the, the business case. I mean, there's the, and we were talking about this before is there's, there's a point in, I think as an entrepreneur where you look and say, Hey, I've hit a point. How can I, how can I do something meaningful? Right. Um, and you've hit that, I've hit that. And, and, um, but bringing this back to a peer, here's the value in the business case, whether you're making a pitch to a shareholder or to uh, just, you know, you're doing your business plan um, and highlight more if I've missed them. But A, your ability to tell a story. You can take the most boring product like shoes and differentiate yourself because now you have a good story. 
the the sharing value people share stuff that so if everybody listening people share stuff that they feel good about and i mean the value as yannick was pointing out there the value you will get when people see this and start sharing it through their social channels that kind of marketing is i mean you can't you can't even buy it um and then the third benefit that just stands out to me is you're no longer, even in a commoditized industry like shoes, you're no longer having to compete on price because price becomes secondary to the to the buying decision. And I truly believe that these types of businesses are going to attract a, a better client, uh, 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 somebody that's um, – you know, they're not the bargain shoppers. You're getting a, a, probably a higher value client as well. So, you know, did I miss anything in there? Like, I mean, there's well, so many business cases. Yeah, there's, yeah, for sure. It's like the angles, the marketing hooks, yeah. exciting, but not even, you know, attracting great customers and clients and, and members who are happy to spread the word, but like your team, like people, you're, you're going to get a better caliber of team member because they're yes. attracted to a bigger mission and what you're doing. And it's just like, you know, and it's so much more exciting like for you too, as the founder, as, as the entrepreneur to think about how do you play big and how do you do something really meaningful mm-hmm. that is like this intersection of, of almost like everything that you've learned. So what if, you know, what if everything that you've learned up to now is kind of like R and D and then it's like applying your network and your resources and your wherewithal and your, and your business acumen. And it's not even about turning off your, 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 your marketing smarts and it's like literally like putting everything into it and that's where it gets super exciting so it's like you you can and should be ethically aggressively marketing uh like like you, even even if you're doing good quote mm-hmm. unquote, that doesn't mean that doesn't give you the excuse to say oh, okay well people will find me so it's i almost find like there's two kind of i don't know two worlds here like you got the social entrepreneur who who is really just in it for the cause and and they don't think they have to market or they don't know how to market and don't want to market. And then you got the, the person who is, is maybe much more of the marketer and doesn't feel like they can bring their heart into what they're doing. And, and this gives you the way to, to really merge the two. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can create a business that you're that you're proud of. I, I mean, the marketing that you're creating, you've got a, a platform to tell stories, to create those marketing hooks that are just infinitely more powerful than just you know throwing BS at a wall and hoping something sticks, right? And you can do some really fun stuff too with your marketing as well, like go the opposite direction, like we talked about with Underground. Like Patagonia is really famous for this. Is during Black Friday they ran a full page ad that said yeah. "Don't wear this jacket," right? And, yeah. and Patagonia you know, has been one of the, I think, touchstones for, for an evolved enterprise or for a company that really cares and consciously does business. And, you know, this kind of somewhat reverse psychology, like actually up their sales, but, but it, they, they were truthful about it and, and, you know, real about it. And then you can also do stuff like, I don't know if you've seen these breakfast bars. Um, I don't think they, they're everywhere, but I, I saw them, um, on Necker Island, uh, which is this bar saves lives is literally the name of the bar. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, you, you, know, you, can, you can do fun stuff with the names where it's a marketing as well. And this bar, so these are cereal bars or whatever breakfast bars. Uh, and, and so it's called this bar saves lives. And it's because every bar you buy, so they're using the kind of the one for one model 
is a certain amount of meals that are provided. And so I remember asking uh, the manager at Necker, I'm like, did you guys get these just because of the social impact? He's like, yeah. And so it's like it opens up these new distribution. And, and I know they have some celebrities on their on their board as well or that are associated with them. And, you know, trust me, they wouldn't be associated with, with something unless there was a bigger reason behind it. And that's where, you know, some interesting stuff that, that can be done. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. Now, okay, so um, why don't you give us a couple more impact models, and then I want to take a step back to coming up with these ideas. Okay. So another one is uh, model number 10, which is an ethical opportunity. So, you know, people have been around uh, maybe the MLM or the direct sales world. Well, this one company uh, called Living Goods really kind of turned it on its ear and said, okay, it's, a, it's an interesting distribution model. But let's let's make it good for everybody. And what they did is they have a thousand plus agents now in Kenya, who they provide micro loans to to get their initial sort of bag or box of stuff. And they're like the the Avon model, where they're out there, you know, calling on on people in rural villages that don't really have access to a lot of this stuff that they're bringing. And it could be mosquito nets, it could be uh, uh, pills to to purify water, it could be you know all sorts of sort of life saving material that they really wouldn't have access to. And it provides a living, another way of enhancing the living um, for for the, the I guess, the, I don't know what they would be called, the agents, the sales agents. So mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's almost like an ethical biz op. Hmm. And it's, it's really exciting because it's a great model that we know works, mm-hmm. but it works for everyone in this really unique way. And, and so just a great, great example of another sort of transcending business. Uh, one more sort of transcending example is a company called G Adventures. Uh, you probably know them. They're a Canadian travel company. I do, yeah. Yeah, big, big travel company. And so they're one of the biggest uh, uh, travel providers in Machu Picchu, and so the Incan Trail. And we're kind of looking at what they were doing there, and, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we're, we're, we have a lot of people here. So what's that? that's one resource. We have a bunch of people going down the Inca Trail. We can, we can just have a donation to whoever in the community, and that's one thing that we could do. But let's do something more, more integrated. And what they did is they funded a women's co-op to, um, to provide them all the materials they need for weaving and, and dyeing of, of clothing and, and alpaca wool and all sorts of stuff. And, but that wasn't enough. They wanted to give them just a way to, to truly have their own, almost like their own businesses. And so what they do is they provide the customers. So all the travelers, they kind of sidetrack them into this, this village so the women can, can show their culture and, and actually do hands-on demonstrations with, with all the travelers. And so for the travelers, they get a much better experience. Like it's, it's so mm-hmm. much cooler to say they had a real authentic experience and hands-on. And, and so it like works for everyone. And then they also funded another company that, that does biodegradable soaps and shampoos and things like that that, that their travelers will, will use and, and buy. So when they're on the Incan Trail, if, if there is trash that's left, it's biodegradable. So another kind of transcending way of, of operating and thinking about your business. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, I, as you've been going through this, I was just thinking of one of my, uh, one of my clients. Um, you know, when she approached me, she, she, had a, she had a skill she could take and she could make really incredible, and sounds silly, but paper jewelry. Now, she's Canadian. She was living in Singapore at the time. And, and uh, in Singapore, she spent a lot of time in Indonesia and she saw a lot of the poverty there. So she had a vision for a business that was going to employ women in, um, 
in Indonesia and give them a way to earn money. So basically what she's done is she's created created a, a business. It's called Living Beads. And uh, what she does, and I feel like I need to give her a little plug because it's right in the vein of what we're talking about. She's created this business. And what she's now done is she's she's gone over and she's set up um, uh, little shops uh, to train these women in Indonesia who have no other way of earning income how to make these paper beads, these paper jewelry, beautiful stuff, purses stuff like that and uh, and she takes all of the all of the products are made from recycled magazines and so what she's done is she's taking obviously magazines she's recycling them she's taking them over to Indonesia she's working with these women teaching them how to create these beads and all these jewelry, building this, and she's hold, set up a whole infrastructure there, which is now providing employment to these women. And, you know, they can work from home, they can support their kids, they can make this stuff at home, and she's built up a supply chain. And it's fascinating to watch this because it reflects everything you just said, because she's now able to take these, these, and they're very, very nice. I, I mean, last time I was there, I, I spent a whole bunch of money buying this stuff for, for my wife. It was just gorgeous stuff. But... She now takes this and she can – the, the people that are buying this are people that um, – I mean they could be shopping at, at, at Tiffany's, at Burke's, wherever they want to buy their stuff, right? But they're now foregoing their Prada purses to carry her purse because they feel better about it. It's a unique piece. There's a story behind it. And so as you've been talking about this, I've been thinking about her, and, and this is somebody that was able to start, I guess that would be what a, a very evolved enterprise. So, you know, sure. there, there's so many places that this can be applied. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it's, and it gets really exciting. It's like I truly think of like you can look at your business as this canvas and, and we're artists, like we're entrepreneurial artists that we can figure out the, the business model and who we want to serve and who we – you know, who we can help and how it, how it translates into, into the impact and what it is. And so it's like you add all these pieces together and it truly is like an artistry. Yeah. It's just, it's just exciting to put it all together and you don't have to be limited to what used to be sort of standard business practices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now let's just take a step back and uh, let's talk about how do you come up with this within your business? I mean, you've given us some models, stuff like that. How do you figure out what's, what's the right path for you? So let me, uh, maybe I'll, I'll tell an example of uh, one of the, one of the, we have a group called Maverick Next, which are young entrepreneurs, 25 and under. Mm-hmm. And, and so I offered up to do some consultation with a few of them. And one guy in particular, his name is Anthony Balduzzi. He is a kind of a fitness, he sells content information on how to get fit. And his market is actually just men, usually older men. And he's got a really riveting story. So a lot of it comes from typically your own story many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his story was 10 years old. His dad died. I think it was brain cancer or lung cancer. I can't remember, but you know, a very, very sad tale. And, and so he vowed that no other kid would have to go through that same, that same agony. And, and so when we we're working on his next sort of revamping of what his brand was, I forgot what he came to me with, but I'm like, you know, aren't these really fathers that you're concerned about? He's like, yeah. And as a father, it's already a typical, you know, it's a tr- certain demographic of age. Mm-hmm. So his, I think his thing was like fit over 40 or something was what he came to me with. I'm like, well, it's really father. So let's call it the fit father project. And we came up with, you know, the branding around that. And then 
we created, uh, you know, what the cause was, was this, this mission and the story of not having another dad have to, you know, be, be ill and, and make sure that they're, they're healthy. And so the, the cause that we linked to was, uh, it was called Camp Kesem, which he had worked with before. And they help kids who are going through, uh, hard, like difficult medical illnesses in their family. Like if their parents are really sick like that, they send them to summer camp. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really nice tie in. And then we, we just said, okay, well, we're not just going to do a one for one or something like that. Like, let's make it really integrated into what, what you're doing. So he did a, a challenge where it was like every pound that you lost or every, every pound and, and every inch, I forgot they would donate a dollar to Camp Kesem and then 10% of their profits went to Camp Kesem. So it was, you know, really nicely tied in and really nicely related to everything. And so when you start making it work that way, like he, he said that the brand impact that he got after integrating all those pieces was 10 X what, what it was before. Wow. Wow. So now he, he had a story, he had something to tie it back to. And I know, I, I know a lot of people are sitting there going, well, you know, I, I, I have a business or I have an idea, but I have nothing to tie it to. Like, where do you? Yeah, I mean, most people don't have a crazy yeah story, right? But they do have. Like, you go back to start think. So, you know, our, our evolved enterprise model, the inner circle is you. Mm-hmm. So it all goes back to you as the founder. Like, so why did you start this thing? Like, what's there? There was a reason why, and it wasn't just to make money. Uh, and if it was that, that reason probably went out the window at some point when when you had your first sort of bump in the road. Yeah, uh, there's something else, you know, driving you. Yeah, whether it's personal freedom, but but there's really there's really something else. Like there's a reason why. Like for me, ours is changing the way business is played. Like I pretty much only really care tremendously about entrepreneurs because I think they're the ones who are the catalysts of the world and and instigators and who you know bring tremendous value into into the planet in so many ways. And so for me, my whole role is to to help help them. And, and then, so for, for anyone, there's, there's somebody or, you know, a group that there's a reason that you chose that group as your customer. And, you know, this is also a good opportunity to reinvent what you're doing too. Like, you know, you don't have to keep doing what you're doing, especially if you feel burnt out or feel like, you know, there's something bigger. And I've, you know, David Bowie just recently passed away. He was a master of reinvention. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's something to be said for that continual reinvention and, you know that you have these cosmic alarm clocks that go off and tell you when you're when you're unhappy, and it's pretty easy to not listen to those mm-hmm. and and just be like, well, you know, uh, or make an excuse that you know you need the pragmatic making money or whatever it is. But it doesn't. It's not mutually exclusive. Like you don't have to you don't have to just go off and and go start a nonprofit or something to to go fulfill that part of it. Like you can use all your business acumen here. So, you know, I go back to your story and I also start going back to what did you love to do as a kid and what did you, you know, really turn you on and got you excited and and, in that joy and in that passion, you'll find a lot of pieces that you can add into your business Mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to reinvigorate you and and start creating some of this and, and then figuring out like who, so for the cause, it's either about, okay, something significant to you personally or something that's significant to, uh, to, to your, your customers, to the people that you're serving. Um, so one of our Maverick members, she has a massage school and and helps other masseuses. And she had actually just lost a finger maybe two years ago in a tough mutter, one of those races. And so she'd been kind of dealing with this for a while. Like, you know, you're a 
you're a masseuse yourself and now you've lost the finger and you know a lot of identity tapped mm -hmm. into that right and so originally when she she loves involved enterprise and all the concepts of it, and she's like well you know i was thinking about working with athletes who lost limbs or things like that and she's like i really thought and thought and thought on this and, and she's like it doesn't totally makes sense. Like it doesn't serve my community of who I serve. So now what they're going to do, and she's still figuring it out and I'm helping her with it is that every massage student, like based on who comes in, they'll have to do X amount of hours anyway to get certified. Mm -hmm. And X amount of hours is going to go towards uh, a group or them serving people in hospice to provide therapeutic massage. Hmm. And it's just really, really like that feels really good and really yeah. like a great tie in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you said something a few minutes ago, I want to come back to is, 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 you know, I think a lot of people when they, when they hear what we're talking about, they think, well, that sounds like not for profit. And, yeah. and do I need to start a not for profit? And I, I don't know about you, and I'd love to get your take on this, but I, I believe that a for profit business with the right intentions can create more change than a not-for-profit in many cases because of the ability to attract maybe better talent, to attract um, better players to the team, to position, to... You know, I, 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 it's an interesting debate, and I'm sure there's other people that are listening that would debate the other side of it, but where do you stand on that? So I, I'm, I'm with you on most of it. Uh, I think that businesses can absolutely... Create more. I think it's like giving, letting people do what they do best. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have a nonprofit do the work on the ground than me try and roll in there and figure out how to do it. Yeah, and start a, start a nonprofit or, or whatever the case is. But most nonprofits really fall down because they're stuck in this donation cycle. Yes, they're, they're always looking for donors, and they're you know that they don't have sustainable revenue coming in typically, unless maybe they have a grant, but that might last for X amount of years or one year or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't have a mechanism in place. And businesses, if they are doing good business, they're sustainable, and yeah. that's and that's definitely why I think they they can be more powerful than than a nonprofit here. But I think that there's a great opportunity for working hand in hand. Yes. with profits and letting them do what they do best. And I would rather, so like Warby Parker is a good example. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. They're the eyeglass company. It's about 99 bucks mm -hmm. and they use essentially the Tom's model, but they've gotten big. They've sold like a million plus pairs of eyeglasses, 99 bucks for eyeglasses. They try to make it as economical as possible. And then for every pair of eyeglasses you provide, uh, they provide some sort of uh, site for, for other people in need and what they did is they partner up with a company. It might be two companies they partner with, but one is called Vision Spring, and they work by by essentially providing micro enterprise opportunities for people to go out into their community and and sell eyeglasses at a very very reduced rate. And mm -hmm. so they they work with this company who's a nonprofit to go out and and go deliver what they do best mm -hmm. instead of them trying to figure it out. And I think it makes makes a lot of sense that way. And then as far as you said, you know, bringing in the right people and the right talented people, I think you'll bring in a lot of great talented people with a great mission as a nonprofit. Uh, but if you want to pay them a little bit more, usually it's, it's going to be the for-profit route that, that is going to, that's going to help there. 
Yeah, and and I don't mean to, you know, I guess I I, I got to be careful my phrasing. I wouldn't want to think that you know, you're not attracting good people to nonprofits. I mean, there's absolutely fantastic people in the right. nonprofits, but in the you know in in many of the skill sets in the business world, um, I think that nonprofits have trouble attracting certain talents because of the the costs to get those top people sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah, sure, and and it's like the you just have a bigger, I think, bigger array of what you can offer up to somebody. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like they, like you don't want to. Uh, there's, there's this almost like, I don't know. It goes with artists too, like the starving artist kind of mentality, and, it, and especially with nonprofits, it's, it's like you know you have to, you have to sort of be, be, be starving potentially to be doing good work, or, or the opposite way. The bigger charities pay their executives a whole lot, and mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not really a big fan of, of that either. Yeah. So, but as a business, it's directly tied to your your profits and what value you're providing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that, that's fantastic. Now we're we're kind of running out of time here, and uh, and we got talking. And normally I shoot for forty five minutes, but I, you know I was really enjoying this, so we just kept going. But to wrap things up, um, you know, I think this is something everybody in business needs to be thinking about whether you're just starting a business or you have a business underway. So where can our listeners learn more, get more, engage with you on this? Uh, check out the book is at evolvedenterprise.com. And depending on when you hear this, um, we, we were given away for the sort of initial book release, 10,000 copies of the book. And I, I look at them as seeds that we can plant into the world with entrepreneurs and leaders who want to make a difference and so I'm going to give away the book essentially at cost. And you can see right on the page, actually, pretty transparent about where, where, what it costs for printing and postage and all these different pieces. So, um, you know, if there's one of those 10,000 copies left, definitely grab that. So evolvedenterprise.com. And, um, well, it's probably, it's probably about it. Or, you know, check out the blog, yannicksilver.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Yannick, thanks so much for for sharing your vision, sharing where you think business is going. I'm, I'm in total alignment with you. I back this 100% um, and, and totally agree. So yeah, thanks so much for participating today. Thanks, Derek. It's been fun. Awesome. All right, everyone, that was Yannick Silver. And uh, as always, any of the links mentioned in this interview will be included in the show notes along with the entire transcript of the episodes. And you can find all of that at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. And, uh, you know, if you like what you heard today, please leave a late rating, leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Your feedback and reviews are the fuel that gives me the momentum and motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for digital entrepreneurs. And uh, now it's time to take the tips, the tools, the strategies that you learned today to build your evolved enterprise and apply that final essential ingredient. And that ingredient is action, right? If you don't take action with this, it's never going to make a difference. So sit down, set some time aside, figure out how can you add this element to your business to give you not only that competitive advantage, but you know, to create something that is really valuable um, in your business, something that you're proud of, something that's going to give back. So go forth, take action, apply what you learned today, and stay tuned for more info-packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to simplify online business so you can grow your income online. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. 
on iTunes or SoundCloud.